Amen. If you would go ahead and fill out that Connect card that you were handed when you came in this morning, filling that out is kind of the first step in getting plugged in here. Love to invite you to a meet and greet and uh, explore what your next steps might be. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3 this morning. And if you were here last week, I know that's kind of backwards uh, because we were in Daniel chapter 10 last week, but that's just kind of how that worked out. I want to share a Jesus quote with you as we begin this morning. Uh, it's John 16:33. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. Jesus said it, uh, kind of bears that out, right? Uh, everybody says amen to that. But Jesus also said, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And again, all God's people said, amen. Uh, Because if we did not have that hope, if we didn't have that promise, life would just be too much some days. I don't know what what your life is like, but my life seems to have its share of drama some days. And I don't know how people without Jesus handle that. Uh, He is my strength. He is my hope. And how I cope oftentimes with life. Jesus in a, in a large pile of sawdust uh, of my own making. That's just how I roll. Uh, I like to say that Jesus as a carpenter liked the smell of wood chips too. Uh, and the key to that, just in case you're interested, is to, to picture that trial or that trouble that you're going through is the wood. And you just kind of whittle it away as you pray. And, and when you're done, you're left with a spoon. Um, don't, don't, don't laugh at me until you try it because it, like, it works. Jesus and I have made a lot of spoons and a lot of bowls. Um, but seriously, how do you cope with the trials and the, and the fire in life when, when you're in the middle of all of that? 1 Peter 1.7, I think, gives us some direction and some hope. Uh, and then we'll get to Jan- Daniel chapter 3. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7 says, These, meaning the, the trials, have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So trials come to show the genuineness of our faith. Tested faith. If you're taking notes, write that down. Tested faith is real faith. Tested faith is real faith. That's why they don't send men and women into battle before they go through boot camp. Because they need to test them. They need to put them through the trial. They need to know what a real round sounds like before they get into battle. Tested faith is real faith. We're going to see some young men this morning whose faith was tested. Now, they're only 14 or 15 years old. And listen to me, young people, those of you who are out there today that think you're too young to be used by God. God wants you to stand up for your faith. God wants you to introduce the next generation to Jesus. Your actions matter in a big, big way. If you were not here uh, earlier in this series, you, you don't remember that we looked at King Nebuchadnezzar a little bit. 
King Nebuchadnezzar was a really, really bad dude. Uh, he made this giant statue of gold of himself. It was 90 feet tall. Now, just to give you some perspective, the Jamonville Cross is only 60 feet tall. Nebuchadnezzar made a 90-foot gold statue of himself. It was huge. I think he had some kind of inferiority complex someplace, just saying. Anyway, he, he comes and everybody comes to this big reveal of this ginormous statue. And the king, the king declares this in Daniel 3, 4 through 6. The, then the herald loudly proclaimed nations and people of every language, because everybody came to this. This is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, I don't even know what all those are, um, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. This is kind of like not what you want to hear when you are invited to a party, right? Um, come to my party. It's going to be fun. Um, but if you don't worship me, I am going to toast you like a marshmallow. Here's what most of the people at the party decided to do. Daniel 3, 7. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Not many people at the party wanted to be extra crispy. There were a few exceptions. Three young men stand firm in their faith in the living God. And they have what most people would describe as a very, very bad and stressful day. How, how many of you have ever had a really, really bad and stressful day? Okay, like like everybody has had a really bad and stressful day. Well, I Googled having a really, really bad day and then clicked the image button this week. And I want to share some of those pictures of, of having a bad day with you this morning. This is a bad day that says, I did not take time to read the sign that says wet paint. The next one is called having a really, really bad day of not having your coffee before you brushed your teeth because you, you might not be able to see what's in the toilet, but that's a toothbrush. The next one is having the really, really bad day on the way to work during hunting season. I'm not sure who had the worst day, the deer or the driver of that vehicle but that's a bad day. The next one is my favorite. <laughs> that's a bad day if Kitty really doesn't like his bath. And I, I don't know if you've ever seen the joke where the dog puts the kitty in the toilet and flushes it, but that's what that reminds me of. That's a really, really bad day. So, so how do you stand in faith when you're having a really, really bad day? I want to look at three ways. Is there another one? There was more. <laughs> the first one is this. 
We stand by obeying God, not people. We stand by obeying God, not people. Everybody else in the crowd that day was bowing, but not these three young men. They were standing. Look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, this is to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Ha! I love it. Three teenage boys looking straight at the king saying, we don't even need to give you an answer for this. We, 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 we don't even need to defend ourselves against you. You issued this command, but like, we don't even have to give you a response. Because this is between us and God. This isn't between like us and you. This is, this is a matter of faith. They are going to die because they didn't bow to a golden statue. And they proclaim, we don't, we don't even really have to defend ourselves. They, they know that bowing isn't an option. They, they know it's not the right thing for them to do. They didn't have to pray about it. They didn't have to fast over it. They didn't need to seek anybody's counsel first. They just knew it was wrong because it was a command of God. Thou shall not have no other gods before me, God said. That's pretty clear. No bowing allowed. No gods before me. It didn't matter what anybody else did because they knew what God had said. Sure, they could have faked it. They could have said, you know what, let's save our own skin and we'll just bow this one time. They, they could have said, listen, guys, we'll ask for forgiveness later. You know, it's, it's probably not that big a deal. This guy is going to roast us like a marshmallow. Let's bow. If we die, who's going to be left to tell all these other pagans how great God is? We, the mission is more important for us. We need to bow now but they didn't they made up their minds that they would rather die being obedient than follow the rest of the crowd they were not going to do what everyone else was doing i promise you that if you were following jesus the enemy will give you plenty of opportunities to compromise your faith to cave on the word of God. He will feed you every single excuse and rationale for sin. It's what he does. But we're not going to bow, amen? We're we're not going to go there because we bow to just one and only one, and he is the only living God. Now, people will think you are absolutely crazy. You know what? Everybody fudges on their taxes, Every hunter I know fills somebody else's tag. Hey, they have more of those parts than they're ever going to use. They will not notice if you take some home and use them at your place. Standing under the trial and in faith takes so many different forms. The enemy is so crafty. But faith obeys God, not man god and god alone number two a faith that stands obeys in spite of sight a faith that stands obeys in spite of sight here's here's where this is from daniel three seventeen. if we are thrown into the blazing furnace the god we serve 
is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I think that's awesome. They first affirm God's power and say God is able. He he is the all-powerful God. God is able to deliver us from your hand. But not only that, they take it one step further. God is also willing. Not only is God able, but they believe that God actually will deliver them. He is all-powerful. And if we trust him, he will save us. He is going to use, they believe God was going to use his power on their behalf. But, that's a big but, and I'm not talking about anybody in this room. But even if he doesn't, see, they can't see the future. They're, they're not God, God is. But even if he doesn't, they're still not going to bow. They can't see the future, God can, but even if God doesn't deliver them, they are still not going to bow. This is going to be huge, I think, for some of you. You see, it's one thing to have faith that God is able to come to your aid. It even takes more faith to believe that God will come to your aid. Amen? But God has called us to pray prayers of faith and declare his ability and also his willingness. Sometimes I think as Christians, we're afraid to pray those prayers. We, we know God is able, but we're, we're hesitant to pray that God actually will. God is our provider in all good things. Come right from his hand. Now, no matter how hopeless the situation, no matter how lost, how far we are from God, we need to pray prayers of faith. God can and God will. But it takes a faith that will move mountains. If you are able to pray, but even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to lose hope. I'm still not going to lose faith. Even if God doesn't heal my cancer, even if God doesn't take away my hearing problem, even if I don't get that job, even if I don't overcome I am still going to trust him because he is still God. Sometimes we wrestle with situations like that and we, we're almost afraid to pray God is able and God will. But I think it scares us even more that sometimes the answer just might be no. My grace is sufficient Trust me. Can you trust me anyway? I think we need to remind ourselves in those situations of number three. Obedience is our part. The outcome is God's. Obedience is our part. The outcome, the answer is God's part. I say this all the time, especially when people are looking for, for jobs or trying to decide what school to go to. And I think it applies to all kinds of trials in general. God 
cares more about our obedience than what specific line of work we do. He cares more about who you are than what kind of car you drive. He cares more about your being faithful in a marriage than what believer you marry. Let me say that again. He cares more about your faithfulness in your marriage than what believer, because that's the word of God, you marry. It's not wrong to believe that God is able and willing to provide X, Y, or Z for you. Make a wish. Pray the prayer. Believe it. Hold on to it. Cling to it. Because God is willing and able. And he loves to bless his children. But God cares more about your response if the answer is no. And sometimes we realize, will you still be obedient? Will you still trust him? Will you still do the right thing? Will, will, you, will you still hold on to your faith? Or do you love him just for the perks and blessings that he can provide? Honestly, those are tough, tough questions. These men did not know the outcome of being thrown in the furnace. They didn't know whether they were going to come out extra crispy or not. We, we do because we've seen this story and read this story and heard this story since we were knee-high to a grasshopper. But they didn't know. King Nebuchadnezzar is furious that they defiantly disobey him, stand in front of him and say, we don't even have to give you an answer to this. He, he has that fire stoked up seven times hotter than it has ever been stoked up. The men who opened the door fall dead just by opening it. But let's look what God does. Daniel 3, 24 through 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? He's like, I'm counting here, and <laughs> I'm not counting right. They replied, certainly, your majesty. We threw all three in. You know, we didn't leave one out. We didn't add somebody we didn't like. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Now, again, just like last week, I don't know who this angelic being, this son of the gods is, but I'm going to stick with Jesus here. Um, the point is God can show up and reveal himself to you in the midst of the trial. And he, he can, he will, because he is able. The question is, can you still praise him if he doesn't? And if the outcome isn't what you wanted, he, he is able to deliver you. He is willing. Even in the midst of the fire, Jesus can set you free. The ropes are gone. They're walking around in there free. I don't know if they're high-fiving, having a party. It says when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. But can we obey? Can we do the right thing? Can we trust him and say even if he doesn't, he still, I believe, in the end, God will save and deliver us even if it means our death. That, that's standing firm in the fire. Here, here's what I believe. I believe if we stand firm in the fire and trust God, he will be glorified and praised, whatever the outcome.
whether he would have performed this miracle or not, their faith in the face of death would have brought God glory. He brings the outcome. Our part is the obedience. When someone stands firm, God gets the glory either way. Daniel 3.28 gives us a glimpse of what happens in this case. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has set, sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command. And he was pretty upset about it. And were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save in this way. Translation, don't make this god mad. <laughs> don't say anything about him. Don't disrespect him because if he can do this, we're all in trouble. So if you say anything bad against him, I'm going to cut you to pieces and reduce your house to rubble. You see, I believe God gets the glory when people stand up in obedience. And I believe God still would have received the glory even if he hadn't come to their aid. Here, here's what I mean. Stephen, the first martyr for the faith, died and God got glory. Peter was hung upside down and God got the glory. Charlie Burkston, my dear friend in the faith, died of brain cancer, but God got the glory. Remember that story? I've shared it before. He found out that he had cancer, and he called our home preacher who came over to his house, and Jerry Schmidt, who used to be the district superintendent of this district, thought he was going over for a pastoral care visit, and Charlie Burkston looked at him and said, did you hear? I get to see Jesus today. You see, Charlie died, but God got the glory. God can and will for each and every one of us this morning. He can and he will. If we hold on to the word of God and the truth, he will get the glory. Will you trust him? Let's pray. Jesus, you have told us that in this life we will have trouble. And we just say, amen, that's like every day. But today, Jesus, we're claiming and proclaiming that you have overcome the world and that you are able and you are willing and we are hoping and we are believing and we are praying for a miracle in the name of Jesus by your gracious hand because we trust you. But today, Jesus, we are adding to that prayer. Maybe some of us are adding it for the very first time. But even if you don't, that's our trust, Jesus. But we want you to get the glory. We, we, don't, want, we don't want the glory. We want you to get the glory, whatever the outcome. We want our lives to show people Jesus, and may we stand firm in the faith this day. 
you've been going through some trial, some fire in your life, and you're willing to take that step and add, but even if you don't, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to hold on. Would you slip up your hand this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. May God get the glory in every single one of those situations. May your life bring him honor. Amen. If you want to talk about someone bringing God's glory to their life and praying that prayer, we don't need to go any farther than Jesus himself who knelt in the garden and said, take this cup from me. I, I don't want to die. I don't, I don't want to be crucified. But not my will, but your will be done. Father, we just want to be obedient to you this day. We give you all the glory.